Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. We wanted to continue our talk on the doctrine of idolatry. And in short, idolatry is the misappropriation of worship, the giving of offering towards anyone or anything outside of the authentic God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent his son, Yahshua, to die for our sins, the God who's the father of Jesus the Christ, the true and authentic God. He is the one that we ought to attribute our worship towards and to deviate from giving God what he requires is in a sense idolatrous. And as we look at scripture, for example, Colossians three and five, it says put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whether it be sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Colossians 3 and 5. And this uh, passage reminds us that if we do not give our affections or surrender our affections to Christ, these vices can override us. These vices can overwhelm us. These vices can take control of us to the point where we start worshiping these listed vices. Of course, these are not exclusive. They are more vices. But if we are not transparent with God, then these shortcomings will override us or influence to the point where we lose control of what we want to do for Christ. So if you have issues with sexual immorality, if we don't get a grip on it, meaning that if we don't tap into the power of the Holy Spirit by confessing our faults, by seeking wise, wise counsel, by uh, following the instructions that our counselor gives us, if we don't take an active role in um, oppressing or overcoming these issues, we'll never be what God wants us to be. Just think about how many Christian households have either the husband or wife engaged in pornography. They are willing to cast everything aside just uh, to fulfill their sexual desires or how many Christian homes 
uh, uh, the man or the woman have yielded to sexual fantasies or even have um, engaged in uh, sex outside of the uh, matrimony because they wanted to fulfill uh, certain desires that they have. So Paul is reminding us that these things, these type of things, we need to put to death. And in a sense, he's reminding us that all of the lusts, all of the envy, all of the immoralities have been put to death already. There's nothing that we're dealing with that Jesus hasn't died for. And if we're not careful, again, we always think about idolatry in a physical sense where we see statues and we see models and we see temples and we look at it in a physical sense. But there's also a non-physical aspect to idolatry. You can make your job the idol. You can make your children the idol. You can make your significant other the idol. You can make your theology the idol. You can make your ideology the idol. You can make your pedagogy the idol. You can make your title the idol. And I can go on and on and on. But the point is, there exists a reality that every day that we wake up, we ought to recognize our shortcomings and make sure that everything that we are pursuing is filtered by the word of God. Certainly in this nation, we can see that there is some money idol. And in, in, in this money idol uh, is backed up by scripture itself. It says uh, that the love of money is the beginning or the root of all evil. It didn't say money is the root of all evil. Money is an inanimate object. But how we pursue money can take us away from what we ought to do. So in other words, are you motivated by money first? Or are you motivated by the unction of the Holy Spirit? Is he directing you to get into this business partnership? Is he directing you to take on this job? Has he spoken to you about moving? Has he spoken to you about what ministry to get involved in? I'm hoping as a Christian that your ultimate goal is to be in good fellowship with Christ himself. And in being in good fellowship with Christ, there yields peace, joy, love, happiness, and that's what we want for us, or that's what we should want for us. When you're in good standards with Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't slip up. It doesn't mean that uh, we don't uh, make mistakes. But what it does mean is that your appetite is fixated on the true God, the true, true and authentic God. And unfortunately, throughout history, 
we see examples of the misappropriation of worship towards gods who really don't exist. And the scripture backs that up, that these false gods are really no gods at all. It's a figment of humanity's imagination to think that something created with hands is actually the creator. The created can never be the creator. So as we look at um, history, we find evidence of man being distracted by Satan himself and thinking falsely that the idols they've created is actually uh, Yahweh, that is actually Jehovah, that is actually the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, these false idols will never be the authentic God. And because God believes in the law of identity, he is not going to yield his ways for our ways. As I said before, relationship with God is top down. Because he's omniscient, he is fully qualified to tell us what to do. God is not going to accept us telling him what he needs to do. So when we look at history, even in Canaanites religion or Canaanite society, they believe in Asherah, who was the wife of El. They worshiped her by creating wooden poles and they positioned these poles at the various worship places. And for reference, you can read Exodus 34, 13 through 14 and Deuteronomy 7, 5. Then you can take a look at the Babylonians. They worship Ashtoreth, the wife of Baal, the goddess of war and fertility. Judges 2, 12 and 13. Then when we look at the Babylonians again, they worship Murdoch, who was believed to be the sun god. Jeremiah 50 and 2. Then again in Babylonian culture, they believed in a god called Tammuz, the god of fertility. So as we look at these false gods, what's happening is man, instead of giving the true god the respect that belongs to him, the worship that belongs to him, they take that worship and place it towards these false gods. So while we are distracted by worshiping these false gods. The real God is saying, I'm not going to tolerate it. I am God and I share my glory with no one else or nothing else. This is why it's important to realize or, or to identify what's going on in your own personal life. Am I doing things that God has not approved of? Am I spending my time doing things that God hasn't pre-approved? Am I giving my mind 
or moving my mind towards things that God hasn't pre-approved. What is your position in terms of the worship that belongs to God? As we look at ancient or historical cultures, even the Greeks created this Zeus who was the chief God of all gods. Even in the Middle East now, we find the God created by Muhammad, uh, Allah. He is a God created by Muhammad. And now uh, millions and millions of people have subscribed to Muhammad's theology. They are following a false God. And the reason why we can say that uh, groups such as Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, etc. reason we can say that they are worshiping the false God is because of what they say about what God is like. And if the description of their God is inconsistent with the description of the authentic God from the Bible, then we have to reject their interpretation of who God is. Then secondly, it's important that we bring this up because salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. But what happens with these other groups is they offer a different path to salvation outside of Jesus Christ. So as a Christian, we're not saying that these other groups are not sincere. Yes, they're sincere. But the reality is just because you're sincere doesn't necessarily mean that you're right. You can be sincerely wrong. And as a Christian, there's no way around it. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And if you want to see the Father, you have to come by the Son. So we can't just say, well, these are nice people. These are just well-meaning people and let them have their view of God. That's not what God says. God created the law of identity. Even when we go back to the garden, Adam had good excuses on why he ate the fruit. Lord, it was the woman that you gave me. But even though he was sincere in his response, God wasn't going to tolerate it. If you read your Bible. So all through history, God is good for his word. And when he says, do not create uh, false worship, do not create false idols, do not worship false idols, he means it. And he's not going to change it just for us because we refuse to believe him in what he's already said in the scripture. Even in the Hindu culture, you have Buddhism, and then you have the God Vishnu, the supreme God. Then you have Brahma, the one they believe created the world and all of his energy. And when you read about Brahma, he is not the God of the universe, but they believe that. So what is God to do? Right. So if we believe in our scriptures, 
that Jehovah, Yahweh, he is the one that sent uh, Jesus the Christ to come down and die for the sins of humanity, then what are you going to do with these other so-called gods? They're really no gods at all. They are dead, according to the scriptures. They can't walk. They can't talk. They can't hear. And all this is figurative. But the point is, they're not alive. Beings that have no uh, activity are no beings at all. And when you worship these other gods, that's exactly where you're getting. You're getting... Uh, or, or, or putting yourself in a place where really they're, you're wasting the time that God has given you. Now, in our last episode, we touched on um, ancient Israel's experience in Egypt. And one of the things we discovered was while in Egypt, even though God has sent Moses to remind them of their purpose and to let them know in regards to what he wanted to do with them, to liberate them. They came out of Egypt, even after seeing the miracle, being able to walk on dry land through the Red Sea. Even after God had performed this great miracle and not even including all the miracles that he performed in Egypt. That they saw with your own eyes. Even after all, all of that. When it got to the foot of Mount Sinai. When Moses went to confer with God. They became uh, impetuous. Impulsive. They couldn't wait. So they decided to revert back to their old ways. Well since God is not moving on our time. Let us try to help him out. Let, let us create a golden calf. They were, some of them were used to that. While in Egypt, even though they knew God as the true and living God, they had been induced by the false idolatrous ways of Egypt. So in, in Egypt, they worship a God called Ptah. It was one of the most important uh, idols in Egypt. It was the calf god. And it was venerated uh, in various parts of Egypt. This calf represented one of many Egypt's gods. The Ptah is believed to be the chief god in Egyptian history. He is the one that created everything according to e Egyptian theology. He created everything through thought. Egyptians attributed the following to this God, Ptah. They said that he assisted those who died and went to the underworld. Then uh, there, there is this theology that Ptah uh, also created the Apis bull. This is where the calf came from. They believe that, that this God, Ptah, created this calf. And as a result, the people of Egypt worshipped this calf. They believed this bull was an extension of Ptah and it was seen as holy. It was believed that the Apis bull was created through light, a lightning bolt by Ptah. 
The bull was also associated with fertility due to his affiliation with Ptah. Apis served as an intermediary between the god Ptah and humanity. So uh, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, brought with them this uh syncretism even after being delivered from Egypt. So what that tells us is even though Christ has saved us, some of us still have ideologies that we brought from the world. Some of us even have uh, theologies that we brought from the world. And what we're realizing is not everything crosses over into Christianity. You may have thoughts from your culture. You may have thoughts from your upbringing. You may have thoughts that you learn from college and universities. You may have thoughts that you collected from your friends or so-called friends, thoughts that you embraced from family members, all of these things had to be filtered by the word of God. We must learn to test the spirit by the spirit. And if we're not careful, we'll bring with us this mindset of false theologies that creeps into our current worship with God. And it's not going to work. God is not accepting syncretism. And we said syncretism is really the attempt by some to reconcile the holy with unholy, the righteous with unrighteous. The things that God said we can do, we're trying to reconcile it with the things that uh, he told us we can't do. And we can't do that. So, for example, if a culture that was polygamous, if members of that culture accepted Christ, they must then be willing to give up their uh, polygamous, uh, uh, polygamous ways. So God has given us one spouse, not multiple spouses. So these individuals will have to consider what the scripture is saying and decide for themselves, am I willing to follow Christ or am I willing to acquiesce to my culture? And so I'm praying that as we go through life, we consider that there is something, uh, something called idolatry. And if we're not careful, we'll open the door for idolatry to creep into our lives if it's not already there. And so we need to always follow Jesus, always consider his ways, always filter what you're doing, what you're thinking by the word of God. I'm hoping that these three episodes on idolatry have blessed your heart and blessed you in a way that only God can. Uh, we always pray for all of you. Please uh, consider being a financial sponsor of Sound Reason Ministries as we attempt to train more Christians uh, nationally and globally. Remember to always do for the truth what others do for a lie, that Jesus may give the ultimate glory. And you may get your testimony. Again, may God bless you. Have a blessed day. 
and may all his blessings be upon you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project. A project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.